Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the ego-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. Each week on the Graceful Confidence Podcast, I will share ways to increase your confidence, tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how, as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I would like to give a special shout out to my patrons, Waslos, Britton, Lisa, Barbie, and Glenda. Your support means everything to me. If you are interested in supporting creative endeavors like the Graceful Confidence Podcast, please check out the link in bio or my Patreon page. I am so excited for today's episode because I am speaking to someone about a topic that we haven't covered before and I'm really excited to dive into. So today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jen Pogg. Jen is the marketing operations manager at Liquid Creative Studio, a Florida-based creative marketing agency. She aspires to lead her team to do extremely creative and strategic work that will help brands and propel their mission forward. Jen has a degree in marketing and communications from Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, and most recently moved to Florida after living in Brooklyn, NYC, where she worked for a national experiential marketing staffing firm. Her joyful and innovative approach to collaboration helps the Liquid Creative team produce purposeful and vision-driven work. Jen, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Our topic today is something that I think is so important and not discussed enough, especially for women. And I know many of the listeners are either entrepreneurs or they work in roles where they have to sell something. So a money mindset is so extremely important. And a money mindset can impact so much of our lives. So let's start off with the first question. What does having a money mindset mean to you? So having a money mindset, I think that means that you can put up your goals really transparently and just acknowledge what it is that you are uh, going after and trying to achieve and just being really clear about that with yourself and, and laying it out. And having a money mindset means that you, you lay it all out so that you have peace of mind and that you know what you're working toward, you're aligned, whether that's if you own your own business, do you know what you're working toward for yourself? Or if you're at a, you know, a company, then it's really clear with yourself and your leaders where you're trying to go. So I think having a money mindset is just a matter of being really honest with yourself of where you want to go and getting a plan out there that you can achieve and work toward. I'm a very goal oriented person. So for me, it's really about like, what is the pie in the sky goal, but then backing into that and saying, okay, what does that mean for this next year? What does that mean for this next quarter, month, week? And breaking it down that way so then it's really digestible and achievable. So I think sometimes these big numbers we have are like, oh, we're like, someday it'd be so great to make this or have this type of an income. Really, if you break it down and look at it from a weekly, daily perspective, what you can be doing, what strategies, tactics can you put into place that will help short and long-term goals? Having a money mindset just means keep that big goal, but break it down and and then attack it. 
I think what I'm also hearing you say is there's an element of control, of personal control there. So sometimes when people mm-hmm. think about money or finances, it's, oh, this happened to me and we can kind of get pulled down into the negative. But the way that I'm hearing you phrase it is, this is what I can do to impact my financial goals by breaking it down into small, tangible steps. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we all have more control than maybe we realize or maybe we want to acknowledge because it can be daunting. And so I think taking ownership of that and and I think that's for me when I look at that big goal and I'm able to say, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how it breaks down across time frame, and then giving myself strategies and tactics to implement it. It makes it doable for me personally. So it doesn't have to be you know, the the company or, or with support or whatever that is, like, I know what I need to do to make this happen. Absolutely. Sometimes in speaking with people, I hear them say that they don't like to sell, that mm-hmm. it feels gross, it feels icky. Yeah. But when it comes to business, we need to sell things, whether it's a service, <laughs> a product, um, an idea, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a tangible thing, but it's so important. Why do you think selling is so difficult for some people? I think I think there's a negative persona around it. I know I had that. I always said I'm never going to have a sales job. And I think you think of salesmen and you think of the, you know, the car salesman that's selling you the dream and really it's like a, you know, 1998 piece of junk in the lot, but the dream is it's, you know, a vintage vehicle or something. So I I think that persona is there. So I think nobody wants to be that, right? Selling something that doesn't actually deliver. So you don't want to you want to be honest and I think that's where when now I, when I'm in a business development role or that's a function of what I do, I, I don't see it that way. I don't even think of like sales as being like trying to get somebody to buy something from me. I think it's really looking at it as getting into our topic, but getting, looking at sales or business development from the perspective of well, who you are talking to, what is it that they are trying to achieve what are their goals what are their what is their pie in the sky or what's their next benchmark to success and does what you offer help them get there and if it does then the conversation isn't i hope you buy this from me or buy something that you're having to sell them on it's more how is what you're offering going to get them to their goal then it doesn't feel like sales to me one of my actually the first job out of undergrad for me was an advertising sales position and like Mm -hmm. you i never thought that i would do sales and Mm -hmm. then i went on to do other sales roles and i felt the same way initially but like you i eventually found myself taking the approach of how can i help this person and it felt Mm -hmm. much more authentic to me to have those conversations in that way and not just blast information out hoping that somebody would would take the bait if you will right right and i think another trap that you know maybe a newer somebody new to business development or sales falls into is hoping that every person that they interact with is going to be their ideal client or going to buy whatever that you're selling is. And so qualifying your prospects is huge and that it saves you so much time, it saves you energy, and then you can actually put that time and effort into the clients that you really are going to help achieve their goals. And so that's part of it too, I think, is that when you switch this mentality or, or you, you take away it being like, oh, this is just a straight sales position trying to sell to anyone and you know everyone and their mom. Like if you look at who strategically needs you and needs your service or your product, then it's not, it's not, it's not as challenging and it's actually really fun and, and rewarding. Can you talk a little bit about qualifying prospects? If someone were listening saying, that sounds great, I have no idea what that means or how to do it, <laughs> what, would you, what would you tell them? Yeah, so I think 
one of the things that I do, so just looking at my process is when I'm meeting with a potential client is I just go in and I, and I go in prepared knowing what does my company do really well? What do I help companies achieve? And then I format questions around that. So I go into these meetings ready to listen and I ask a lot of questions and I'm, I'm, information taking right and understanding where they're at where they want to go and then assessing during that consultation with them of if we can actually help them and if what I offer what our services are is going to help them achieve their goals so it really is a matter of going and prepared with questions and asking and and then listening and assessing to understand if you if you are going to be able to help them or not and then you have to make the call sometimes that if, if you think, you know, maybe they're they're not the right fit for you. So or if they're not, they really don't need what you're offering to uh, achieve their goal or they don't, they have, you know, another solution or something or maybe they don't align with your, you know, ethos or whatever that is. Then it's then then it's OK to walk away from that. And I think that it can actually be strategic because working with people that align with your mission, vision, values of what you do and why you do what you do, that will benefit you. And if you don't, I think ultimately it it, it might not turn out the way you were hoping or it might have the reverse effect and have a negative review on Google or something like that because you just, you know, well, they were a prospect instead of somebody that aligned with what you're doing and your vision and helping them. So I think qualifying them is is crucial because it saves you in the, the long run on the prospecting side and then actually working with a client that doesn't align well. You mentioned your first step is to get prepared. How do you Mm. get prepared for those types of meetings? Yeah, I think do, do your research. So when I'm, I mean, I know our business really well. And I think that's the first step is know your product or service and, and how it adds value. So knowing your own product and thinking through what is the value that you offer, what is the unique value proposition to your customers and your clients, knowing that makes you go in so much more prepared. But then also looking at your, it's the same thing as if you're going into an interview for a job, right? You're going to look at the job description. You're going to look at the company that you're interviewing for and what is that void that they're trying to have filled. So when I'm looking at a, a company and going into a prospecting meeting for marketing, if they, you know, if it's specific or not, I'm looking at their website, what digital are they running? What's their social? What's their branding like? Where where are there some you know outdated pieces, some gaps? So I go in knowing what my recommendation would be, but I don't go in and say this is my recommendation. I go in and I listen and I assess and I and I and I intake information. But then when it comes time to say, okay, well this is how I think we can help you, I might have pulled out more information from them than I was able to get from the research. But I'm also able to say when I was doing my research, <laughs> this is what I found. And this is what I think can help you initially. And as we get into our discovery phase with them and, you know, the, the additional marketing research we would do, we'll pull out more opportunities. But and then also looking, you know, depending on the um, what you're selling or what you are doing business development on looking at who you who your audience is. Right. So who are you? Who is that person in the room? What's their background? What's the way that you can appeal to them? Uh, in a personal way and then also you know what is their background and career wise or wherever they're at and um, I think bringing that knowledge is just it helps make you more well-rounded in your approach to to speaking with them and and relating to them on a personal level I think that's like I mean it's a very like simple customer service kind of idea of relating to somebody on a personal level and making that personal connection but in sales that is so key if you can go in and actually just relate with somebody on a human level of whatever it is that you have in common or 
um, or that you pull out from them and then you build the relationship first, that, that always helps. And you can build that really quickly too. That doesn't have to be like a long process. You mentioned the phrase value proposition. In mm. marketing, this is something that we use all the time. However, mm-hmm. it seems like sometimes talking to people, it's one of those unicorn phrases or buzzwords that everybody says, but nobody really knows what it means. Sure. So, and you are in an interesting position because in talking about this, you're talking about your own value proposition. But in doing that for your line of work, you are helping companies discover mm-hmm. their value proposition. Yes. And that is so important to sales. What, whichever side you're on, you need to understand what that value is, what your unique features are, mm-hmm. what that buzzword value proposition actually means. Yeah. How do you help people figure that out? Oh, it's so fun. That's like one of the best parts of our process. So we go through a discovery phase with um, our clients and we get to ask all of the really big questions and then the personal side. So we ask about their mission and why they do what they do and their vision for the future and what are their company values? What are they based on? You know, it's not the end of the day. Most companies, their end goal isn't to sell a product or deliver a service. Their goal is to help people or their goal is to, you know, make people feel, you know, if you're a painter, it's to feel a joy when you walk into a space or you drive home and you see your home all cozy, you know? So the, the goal isn't to have a a perfectly painted home the goal is to invoke a feeling when you come home and see your freshly painted house anyway so i think that that is we we go through a discovery process to help brands and companies and individuals understand why is it that you do what you do and that can usually lead to the value proposition so value proposition really being when you look at yourself compared to a competitor what is different about you? Why, if you are standing next to somebody that does the same thing as you on paper, right? Why should somebody pick you over that person? And a lot of times it comes down to the why you do what you do and the end result, again, not being the, the physical or the service like end result, it being the mission of what you're, what you're evoking. What would be an exercise you would recommend to someone who may be listening, who's trying to figure out either their value proposition or maybe their their company's value proposition as they are in a sales role trying to sell mm-hmm. whatever that company is, is doing? Yeah, I think asking yourself the really hard question of why. Why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing? And it's hard to answer if you actually pause and say, okay, this is what I'm trying to sell or this is what my job is. Why am I doing that? Beyond just, I need a paycheck. Like we all need a paycheck, but why, why did you choose that job? Why did you choose that industry, that line of products to sell? And starting there and, and getting your personal why worked out and like you can verbalize that and, and know that for yourself as a, a vision statement for yourself almost. Um, I think that will then transcend into all of your conversations. So I, I mean, I love meeting with prospect, prospective clients and, and a big part of that is because I love what our company does for our clients. And I see it on their faces all the time when we deliver a new branding or a new website or whatever that is, it's, or we, you know, run a digital campaign and they got all these calls the last month. It's, they're just this joy that comes from them. And so I love this and this invoking of joy through design, through creativity, through analytics and strategy, all of that brings out joy and excitement and a reinvigoration around their business and what they're doing. And that comes in through my sales conversations or my business um, development conversations. I like to inspire people in those meetings and, and talk to them about what their what their end results could be and how we can get there. And that joy aspect of it, I think, comes through because that's my personal vision and value. Uh, and my why. I want to bring joy to people. 
I love it. That's fantastic. I feel it. I feel that that passion. How important do you think it is to be in a company that has a culture that supports this type of sales process? I think it is so, so important. I think that you know, sales. Some it can be stressful if you look at it. If you if a big part of your compensation is through the commission or whatnot, um, depending on how your structure is. And I think that having a company that is supporting you and your overall efforts and your overall the value that you're bringing to the company, it 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 makes it so much. It makes it fun. Like I genuinely love the business development side of my job because I just get to meet with all these amazing people and learn about what they're doing and their why and and not have this forced sort of, you know, you must hit this result to to consider that a win. And I think we've had a lot of organic growth because of that, because we have this approach of genuinely wanting to help people reach their goals. And so having this approach of we have a goal like we have some pretty lofty goals and but knowing that we have plans and strategies and tactics to get there I feel incredibly supported um to actually go out and do that and not that so I'm not on my own in in having to like hit the pavement if you will and go door to door like that's not the approach the approach is let's be strategic let's pause before we go out and try and sell and think of what are the strategies and tactics we're going to implement to reach these goals and backing into that. So, and that's made me feel in my own role, feel re- like the, it takes the stress out of it. Like I get energized actually by the prospect of, of doing more sales, right? Because I, <laughs> because I know the potential that's there and the way that we do that isn't forced or I'm not selling something I don't believe in or that I don't think we can deliver on. I really know that we deliver good work. And so I sell what we do well, so I think it's incredibly important, and I think it's a hard decision if you're in a position where you're not supported like that. I think maybe look at your why and then decide if you need to realign and move positions and um, or have a conversation with your leader. And I, I mean, I, depending on if you're, you know, the type of role you have, but having those conversations and laying out your why and asking how can my why bucket into the product or service I'm selling like I I think having that conversation with your leadership team would be a great way to start and then also just being transparent about your financial goals I think is always a good thing hard to do for some people like um, but I think that being open about those two pieces you'll either find that you are in alignment with your leadership team and they're going to get excited about you are on their team and doing something because your why aligns with their why or you're going to find that it doesn't and in that case it's, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Why do you think talking about finances or financial goals can be so difficult? This is such a hard one. I, cause I'm not somebody who loves talking about this. I'm like, I want to have this like set and then forget and I, everybody just feel good about it. I think, I think it, it's, it's an, it, I can't even talk about it cause <laughs> Because it's personal. Because I think it's, right? and it's per- yeah, it's very personal, and it feels very um, cliche, and it feels like you know. I think that the persona around that, around the persona around you know, talking about money can sometimes, you know, uh, depending on how the quality of your leadership, if they're not uh, open to that conversation and make it easy to talk about, then it can be challenging because you're you're getting resistance, and so. Um, which I think says something about your leadership too, if they're not open to that conversation. 
So I think it I think it can be challenging just because it's something we don't talk about often and it is very personal and it and we attach a lot of um value you know what we do and our value to that and so when you I think that's where it can get emotional. So if I can give advice, I would say take the emotion out of it, look at what you're contributing and if, if it aligns with what the role is asking for and what the role needs then and you feel good about that alignment but if you feel like you're contributing more than what the role is needing then maybe there's misalignment in the position that you're in so it's really understanding what is the role that i'm doing what am i delivering on and am i in alignment i think that alignment piece is really um where maybe some of the rub happens is you're in a role you're ready for the next thing or you you are capable of doing more but your role doesn't call for it so then it might be time to talk about promotion or how can you expand and depending on size of your company if it's small look at how you are adding value and how you could add you know that branch or that function to drive more revenue for your company and then have the conversation with the with your leader and say these are what the things i'm doing really well how i think it will contribute to the bottom line and this is the pay i want to tag along with that what you said so naturally and what i love is you said talk about a promotion talk to your boss talk to your supervisor Mm-hmm. absolutely the statistics are out there though women tend on average to not have those conversations as much as some of their male counterparts and positions mm-hmm. so sometimes some of those raises or even negotiations when you're accepting a job or first mm-hmm. applying for a job they're afraid to have those conversations and that kind of brings me into this next question which goes along the same topic sometimes people are afraid to hear no Sure. And it comes to asking for, when asking for a promotion, when negotiating a salary, when selling something, Mm -hmm. people are afraid sometimes to put themselves out there because they don't want to hear no, especially as it relates to sales and money. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think because of the personal aspect. And so we don't, we don't want to be told no. And one thing I was thinking about was that, you know, if you go into those conversations, give yourself a couple scenarios, you know, don't go in with what you want and hold on to that. And this is the only way to get there. If you have a, if you have a couple ideas that might work better for the company, and then you can be open to that conversation and meet somewhere in the middle. I think that that's really helpful too. But yeah, hearing no is never fun. I mean, it's never, it's, you know, we go in and we, we, you, you get yourself built up to asking for something, especially if it's an uncomfortable topic for you anyways, and then to get told no. I think one thing that I'm trying to remember where I heard this, but somebody told me you shouldn't say no, you should say yes and. And I think maybe that's a way to look at it. You can't control that you're being told no, but maybe the way you can look at that is, okay, so the and part of that is how can I get there in a different way? Or what is it that I would need to do to to reach my goal? So if my goal is this X salary and you're saying it's lower at this point, what would it look like to you if I made that salary? What would that, what would need to happen? Or what would I need to do in my role? What position would I need to have to make it worthwhile? What would the company need to bring in to, to warrant that type of a salary? So I think you have to look at it from multiple angles and see, um, again, what value are you bringing and where's the company at? And then be open looking different than maybe you went in with and so that's why I think having a couple scenarios and worked out in your mind what you are asking for but then be open to getting it there and I think if you have a good leadership team they'll be willing to have that conversation and be excited that you're being so open and transparent about what you want and because at the end of the day if you're asking for something and the company doesn't give it to you or, or isn't willing to budge they they at least you put it out there and they know that if you are looking to move on 
they either have the option to help you get there or they know that you're not going to be satisfied and happy and you're going to be looking for a different way to get there. Does no ever get easier to hear? I think I've gotten more resilient since I've started doing business development. Uh, I don't like it. I'm like, no, like, really? Like, why? And so I, you know, and, and being open to feedback, I think that's the way that I've learned to handle a no is, yeah, thank you so much for your time and all of that. If there's anything that I could have improved or that you would have liked to see, I would love to hear that just for future endeavors. I think I'm I'm very competitive as well. So I'm like, when there's a no, I'm like, mm, I, could, I, I, I try to look at myself too and go, what did I miss there? How did I... What, you know, what is the reason why, um, what could I have done better or helped, you know, but again, sometimes it's like a true, like I just lost that one and I could have done better. And then sometimes it's the qualified lead and they weren't ready or they weren't, you know, it wasn't the right type of prospect. Um, but no, it never gets easier. (laughs) You just get more resilient. You just get more resilient. That's fantastic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You mentioned the word competitive. So according to all of my personality tests that I have ever taken, that is one of my top areas of opportunity slash weaknesses. I am not a competitive person. Oh. Do you think people who are not competitive can excel in a sales position? Absolutely. I think so. I think, I don't think, I think that's just a personal part of who I am and what drives me to meet goals and go after it. But I think if you are non-competitive, you might have to, like find what does motivate you and maybe it's that intrinsic side or the you know whatever that is but I think you can definitely still win and and it's funny because I'm I'm competitive with myself for goals but I'm not competitive in a sales meeting I don't go into a meeting going I'm gonna win this one like that's not my approach my approach is can I genuinely help this business reach what they're trying to do yes or no and if I come away going I don't know I don't know if that's the right fit to me that's not like a I just want it because I am trying to get it. So it's not really like competitive in the sense of I'm trying to get every <laughs> client that I speak with, but it's more in the sense of my personal goal is trying to achieve those. But yeah, I think if you're not competitive, there's you just have to find what does motivate you and what you... I think the what, the way that we're talking about selling right now is a is the way for a non-competitive person because you, you it's not about meeting all these goals per se. It's about adding value and helping people you know, reach their goals or whatnot. So I agree. I absolutely agree. You mentioned identifying your value proposition, building good relationships. What other sales tips or tactics would you have to share with people to kind of put in their, their sales toolkit? So I think one of the best things you can do is just get yourself out there, um, joining networking groups, um, go, I mean, joining, like being, present and having a presence in your community, in your business community, in your personal community, whatever those um, spheres of influence that you have. It doesn't have to be like an influencer that you're known for everything, but it, but even on like a low key level, if people know you, they trust you, they like you, then there's going to already be credibility in your name and who you are. So then when it comes to, oh yeah, what is it that you do? Boom. You're already known like, you know what I mean? You have that um, rapport built. And then it's just a conversation of whether what you do can help them. And so I think that is the best thing that you can do is just don't be afraid to go out and meet people. And, and then it takes the pressure off too. Cause you don't, you know, you, I go to a networking event and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so many people, but it's like, well, I'm not here today to make a sale. I'm here to build my network, build my uh, credibility, build my name, build my my personal brand, and then in turn my company's brand. 
and then those you know, like I find like months later or something somebody connects me because they saw me at this networking event and they wanted to connect with me here and somebody else's name it just kind of falls into place but it's because I've been putting myself out there and from I'm 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 outgoing but I wouldn't say that I, I don't love big networking functions those are not my jam put me with like three to five people I'm totally comfortable can have I love that group put me with like 20 or more and I'm like I'll be quiet I don't need to be the center of attention um so those big functions can be really intimidating but I've found them to be super effective you meet with one or two or connect with one or two people you pass your card or whatever it is or you follow each other on Instagram which is honestly one of the best ways you can help support someone else you know and then down the road you don't know how that connection is going to help you and so I try to make networking as personal as possible versus trying to look as expansive as possible so if I go in with a goal of connecting like really having strong connections with three people not looking for a sale not looking for eight other connections referrals from them but just really connecting with you know two to three people from a networking event I feel like that value does so much more than and you know any kind of cold selling tactics I firmly believe 85% of success is just showing up. Oh just my like gosh. you said, you could have no idea. And there are many idea. days we do not feel like showing up. <laughs> or you have no idea what you're doing. Sure. If you show up, though, and people start seeing your face, eventually, one, you'll learn what you're doing, and two, they'll learn what you're doing. Absolutely. Simultaneously. And I mean, really, in marketing, we talk about seven points of contact, mm-hmm. right? So that once somebody sees your brand, your name, your you know your logo seven times, they might go, oh yeah, I've heard of them and I would like to work with them or I might try them out, right? It's the same thing with yourself. And so if you look at going to events and then you're on Facebook and then you're on Instagram and you, you have multiple channels that you are putting yourself out there by that fifth, sixth, seventh time that they see you, there's going to be a recognition of, I feel like I know this person. And I'm, you know, you've, you have that kind of connection and then that's where you can get into the the next level let's say someone's business is entirely virtual digital Mm -hmm. so what we're talking about now is is having the opportunity to go to in-person events community kind of based Mm -hmm. um, type of networking if someone has a virtual business what do you recommend they do in terms of of networking and getting themselves out there like that well first of all there's a ton of virtual networking events right now so you can get yourself out there that way. I mean, through different networking organizations I'm a part of, there's a there's they offer tons of Zoom call networking events. So um, there's, I mean, there's just a lot of virtual ways to connect. There's Clubhouse, if you guys haven't heard of that. So the other piece I would say to this puzzle is, again, in the same way where in person you would go to events and start building that recognition online, build your platforms. Don't worry so much about, what it is that you are eventually selling or what it is the product that you are um, or service you're trying to sell. But really, what is your personal brand? Why would people want to work with you and engage with you? And um, building building your personal brand and putting up posts that people just want to follow and see and what what are they going to post next what's coming you know and they're interested in your personal brand then when you um get to a place where you you know you connect with them maybe or they comment on an instagram post like hey we should connect further you can start relationship based and and have kind of a more organic natural connection versus um just say you know putting out i you know what you're selling and this is if you're interested dm me you know everybody's like eh. but if you build your brand and it's like well what is she doing to 
to look that good or what what is you know like that type of thing and they can they follow and in the marketing biz we call them micro influencers you know and and you build your sphere and it's and your sphere online can look different than your physical sphere where you're at all right so we talked about getting yourself out there networking whether online or in person determining your value proposition and making sure you share that building those relationships I would imagine the next step is after the sales, you know, pitch conversation is is follow up because very rarely do people say, you know, especially for large scale products or services, yes, I want to buy right now. Usually, right, they take <laughs> mm-hmm. it back and they have to they have to discuss it with their teams. How important is follow up in this process? Ugh, your follow up game is everything. <laughs> That's everything you can do, honestly. I, I, and I always look at building a pipeline, right? And a pipeline by the time that I'm actually like, yes, I got the sale, like we're doing work, we're starting it, you know, the the work with them. They were probably in the pipeline for, for a minute, you know, you probably met with them and then you had the conversation and then you gave them a proposal or, or told them pricing and then you followed up and had a conversation about where they're at and what they're thinking with that. You made some adjustments. So there's there's many steps along that, that process. But follow-up, I think, can be really um, strategic as well. It doesn't just have to be a straight hey, what are you thinking about the proposal I sent over to you? You can you can ask them, you know, like for us, you know, like we do public relations as a function of our uh, business. And so if somebody is working on that, you know, what podcast have you been on? Or make, can I make a recommendation to you to hop on Lauren Debick's podcast? Because I think that would help reach your target audience and you can help make a connection. Uh, it's not saying, what did you think of my proposal? It's saying, let me help you get start going in this area as a goodwill gesture or whatnot. Um, and so you can, and even following up from a relationship perspective, depending on, um, your type of business, like some people that I work with are get real, enjoy being personal. And so we have a, a friendship as well as a business relationship and you can kind of follow up on the friendship side and it, let it evolve. Um, and so I, but I think follow up is key and you, and you shouldn't be afraid to, to follow up and follow up frequently because, um, you know, people get busy. I think about like in my day, how many emails come through my <laughs> inbox and calls and things like that. And so sometimes it's not for a lack of not wanting something. It's that, oh yeah, that just wasn't a top priority for me right now. And so, you know, I, I think there's a balance of knowing, you know, and send a follow-up every day, but hey, just, you know, you can check in and then um, let the, you know, conversation go and kind of naturally organically know when to follow up again um but i think looking for the value of your follow-up is really crucial not just what did you think of my proposal it's what value are you adding by sending them another email and trying to come at that angle um i always appreciate that (laughs) how much follow-up is too much follow-up or at what point do you kind of let let it go yeah i mean it's always nice when somebody just lets you go and tells you no. That's why I'm like what you're saying, does no ever, never get old I'm, or ever get old. Um, I kind of appreciate a hard no. I'm like, thank you for releasing me and my time and my energy. And now I can go focus on some other things. That is such a mindset <laughs> shift though. That's yeah, awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. Because you think about it, you've got all you, you know, I have my list of prospects that I've sent a proposal to or wherever they at are in that pipeline. And then if they just never respond or if they're saying, oh yeah, we're still talking with leadership or we're still figuring that out or I'm thinking about it, you know, you're, they're on your radar and you're following up. And so, you know, I think it's listening for those cues of, of where they're at and, and, and also pulling out, one thing I'll say about that is pulling out 
don't be afraid to ask for another meeting and say like, let, I feel like we need to connect again and I'll walk you through a few things just to give you clarity on them. Or, and then maybe you'll find some of the pain points and maybe there's like one or two things within your proposal that they're kind of wrestling with that you can hammer out and then they're ready to go. And so it's getting clarification on, I, I you know, I, I'd always ask like, if you have any questions or, or was there anything that, um, you wanted to dive in further to where I can shed more light on. There's many ways of phrasing that. Um, but I find that it, people will come back and say, you know, this piece of this, or I'm wondering about this or whatnot. And then it helps identify those roadblocks, remove the roadblocks. And then it's a matter if they're ready to go or not. But yeah, I will say a, a hard no sometimes as a blessing. Well, I think it goes both ways. I mean, if someone's mm. coming after you with something that you're not interested in, Ugh. just having the courage and courtesy to say no instead of just letting it sit in your inbox yes so that even that simple shift of perception because sometimes people don't want to say no because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings or be mean but if you can approach it as you know what this is not something I'm interested in and I don't want to waste your time Mm -hmm. or my time on this anymore please go find someone who's a better fit for you that's a totally different way of looking at it Yep. And that's a lot of what this conversation is about, really changing that mindset from the sales process, um, whether you're selling for yourself, selling for your company, or mm-hmm. perhaps in a position where you're helping else, someone else be able to sell something. Yes, absolutely. I'm thinking as you're speaking about the reverse side of that, that when you receive a note, don't take it personally. You know, it's, it's, you ha- like if you can shift your mind about it, it and take the emotion out of it, that person is, you know, if we if we're like, okay, we're gonna say no when I don't want something, then the other half is that when we get a no, we need to say, okay, and I'm not gonna be like, thank you. That's a thank you response, not a, a like, you know, let it go and move on, so that you don't dwell on that, and that way we can kind of take that stigma around a no being a bad thing and let it go. <laughs> You're so insightful, Jen. So insightful. <laughs> All right, a few more questions. If someone wanted to connect with you or find out more about Liquid Creative, how would they go about doing that? Yes, you can find us. So our website is liquidcreativestudio.com. And then we are on Facebook and Instagram as well, Liquid Creative Studio. All right, and final question. When do you feel the most confident? I feel the most confident when I am prepared and when I am really excited about what I'm walking into or what the prospect of the outcome could be when I've thought through that end goal of what I'm trying to do and I think I have a plan and strategies to get there I feel really excited and then you know pairing that with being prepared into a meeting or a, or whatever it is that I'm doing then I'm feeling like confident and ready to take it on because I believe in it and I'm I've done the research I'm ready to rock it that's awesome Thank you so much for your time today. I know I took away some nuggets of wisdom that I'm going to jot down and take to heart and change some of the ways I I look at things and approach things also. So you're just a a light and inspiration, and I cannot thank you enough. Oh, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. If you know someone who could benefit from this podcast, please go ahead and share it with them. Encourage them to like and follow this podcast so they know when new episodes are launching. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon.